Well, morning, everyone. How are you all? The question we're looking at this morning is this. What is love like? What love is like? What God is like? And um, one thing you're going to need today is a notepad, a phone, uh, back of an envelope, just some piece of paper somewhere, or or something where you can take some notes on. You're going to need those in about three or four minutes. So for now, if you have the chance, then, um, yeah, I mean, this first bit, it's just preamble, honestly. Just quickly go and get something so you've got something available. Uh, Don't find the back of one of your kids' favourite drawings or something, because that could get really awkward. Um, And if you are doing paper, make sure you have a pen that works. So I'm going to be reading from a passage that actually often gets read out at weddings. It's quite a popular wedding um, bit of the Bible. And that's from 1 Corinthians 13. Now, if that just sounds like a load of gobbledygook to you, 1 Corinthians. So it was a a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, Paul was a super church planter man who went all over the place planting churches. And he wrote um, at least two letters that we know of to the church in Corinth. So the the book is called Corinthians. And it's 1 Corinthians because it's the first letter he wrote. And then many years after, people added in chapters just so that we can access um, certain parts. This is Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, this letter was written around 20 to 25 years after Jesus died, something like that. Anyway, what Paul does is he starts describing love and he gives three effectively if-then statements. Uh, And then he launches into a description. So let's do the if-then statements first of all. It says this. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Here's the next one. If I were to have the gift of prophecy, that's being able to speak things that God is saying out to other people. If I had to have that gift with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move and keep on moving mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Here's the third one. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, Without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. My word. Now, as speakers sometimes do, I spent some time uh, going back to the original language of the Bible and kept looking up this word, nothing. And it means nothing, naught, zero, non-exist like there's nothing there so it says this if i were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages in the heavenly tongues da, 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 my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more it is literally like we've got a symbol here behind us it's like me going and clanging that symbol and yet i've spoken incredible languages i've i've given away secrets of heaven and 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 yet paul says if you don't love then you might as well be smacking a symbol. 
And then he says, if I were to have the gift of prophecy, profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, if I had the greatest gift of faith, I saw amazing miracles happen. I said to this mountain, move, and I saw it move. And Paul says, yeah, but if you haven't got love, he says, then I am nothing he doesn't say, yeah, really good. You've done a really good job. You just, <laughs> you just need to kind of work on the love angle. He says, no, zero. You're nothing. Paul says, I am nothing if I haven't got love to go with those actions. And then he says, and if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned, oh, can you imagine? If we gave away everything we owned, honestly, we would say of other people, oh, my word, they are so loving. I mean, that is so incredible. They gave away everything they owned. And you offer your body to be burned as a martyr. What? But you do it without the pure motive of love. Paul says, I would gain nothing of value. Like nothing of value. That's really, really hard. So they're not really so much if-then statements as more like if-nothing statements. So this is the bit you're going to need a notepad for. And I'm going to read it through first of all. Um, and then there are 14 statements. So if you want, while you're listening to this, if you're one of those people who likes to do this, you can number 1 to 14 down the side of your piece of paper or on your phone or something. Or if you really are that sad and you've done it in a spreadsheet, you can get sequential numbering and do it that way. But you're going to need 1 to 14 in just a minute. So Paul goes on to say this. He says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Okay, we're going to spend a couple of moments on that, but what I'd love you to do is grab your piece of paper and your pen or your whatever you're making your notes on, and you've got your 1 to 14 carefully, in order, down the side. What I've done is I've taken that passage and I've, I've, I've put it into like 14 statements. And then what I'd love you to do is to effectively mark yourself. Don't worry, no one else has to see this. See this. We're not asking you to put this in the comments below or anything like that. But we would love you to um, mark yourself out of five for each of these 14 statements as to how well you think you're doing. Okay? If you want... It's a little bit controversial, but if you want, you can have a separate list of 14 for how well you think your other half is doing. A little bit controversial, like I say, but let's see how we get on. Number one, love is large and incredibly patient. What do you like at patience? Okay, mark yourself out five for how patient you are. Number two, love is gentle. As we often say at Ashford Sings, gentleness is power under perfect control. It is not weakness. What do you like at being gentle? Number three, love is consistently kind to all. 
What do you like at being consistently kind? Not just kind, not just kind when you feel like it, not just kind with your friends, but what do we like at being consistently kind? Give yourself a mark out of five. Number four, love refuses to be jealous. So five would be like, I am never jealous. Zero is, oh my word, I live green. I am green with envy all the time. Number five, here we go. Love doesn't brag about its own achievements. What are you like as a bragger? You good? So just give yourself a mark out of five. Number six, love doesn't inflate its own importance. Love doesn't ever inflate its own importance. Number seven, love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect. Number eight, love isn't self-seeking. It doesn't seek its own honour. It doesn't make it, it's all about me. It's not that, the opposite. Number nine, love is not easily irritated. Are you easily irritated? Submit, it's terrible for that one. Number 10, love is not quick to take offence. Do you take offence? Where are you on that zero to five? Number 11, love joyfully celebrates honesty. Number 12, love finds no delight in what is wrong. Like, it's a bit hard to explain, but nothing, when something is wrong, love looks to cover it over. Not in like a, I refuse to face it way, but it finds no delight in what is wrong, even in gossip. What is gossip if we're not being able to just find faults in others? Oh, I know, I know. And he said this, he said what? Outrageous, I can't believe he said that. And so it goes on. Just imagine how much, what gossip would look like if you, um, if you found no delight in what is wrong. So have you heard about, have you heard about Sarah? Yeah, I know. Isn't she awesome? Yeah, but you know, that, <laughs> that thing with her kids. Yeah, I just think she's great. I, I think she's amazing. And do you know what? I've never lived a day in her shoes. I've got no idea what it's like for her. I think she does amazingly well. I think she's precious. I think she's this, that, and the other. Anyway, number 13, here we go. Love is a safe place of shelter because it never stops believing the best for others. Do you stop believing the best for others? Do I stop believing the best? Number 14, love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never takes failure for defeat, for it never gives up. Now, I, I don't know how you did just then. I did this a bit earlier, and um, yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some, I thought maybe I got a three. Um, there was one or two, maybe, a, I think one, maybe a four. I'm not, I'm not brilliant at taking offense. I'm, I'm I kind of have learned some of those lessons. I thought maybe I just get into a 4.0001, maybe. Uh, and that's frankly on an incredible, incredibly good day. Most of my scores were threes, twos. I had a couple of ones, um, which I haven't got time to go into. But if you're that bothered, then message me and I'll tell you what my ones were. Um, the amazing thing is, right here, you have got, a description of exactly what love is like, yes, but also exactly what God is like. In um, 1 John, 
which is um, a, a, a letter written by a guy called John, and the first of the three that we have a record of. <clears throat> it says, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. That's who God is. There is no hatred in God. There is no unkindness in God. There is no jealousy in God. He, he is love. And then a few verses later, he says again, and this time with an exclamation mark, God is love. That's, that's who he is. So he can't ever not be loving because he is love. It's like looking at a block of cheese and say, you have to behave like meatloaf. Don't know where that came from. But you look at this block of cheese. It's only ever going to be cheese because it's cheese. And God is love. And God is never going to be anything else. He's never going to behave in another way. It's literally impossible for him. It is like asking cheese to behave like meatloaf and to taste like meatloaf and all those other kinds. It's just never going to happen. God is love. So if you look back at this list, love is large and incredibly patient. God is large and incredibly patient. There, there, is, no, there is no end to him. There is no microcosm of space in this whole universe that God doesn't inhabit. And as for patience, oh, God is so um, long-suffering, uh, but not like in a uh, rolling the eyes way. You, you, can, you can muck up over and over and over again, and, and then you go and do the very thing you wouldn't, and then you were snappy with someone, and then you realise, oh gosh, I really am selfish, when you actually take a proper look in the mirror. You realise, oh, do you know what? Actually, I really am selfish on X, Y, Z. And you realise that God is there and honestly, he's just smiling. He's not smiling at your impatience. He's just smiling at you because he just loves. He just loves us as we are. God is gentle. Absolutely, God is gentle. God is power under perfect control. It's never, it's never a randomness about God when it comes to how he behaves. There is a gentleness. It's like a, it's like a, a tenderness. Sometimes as God speaks to us, it's like a whisper. And yet you know it's, it's backed, it's packed, it's full. There's no absence of power there. God is consistently kind to all. Wow, that is tricky. That's very tricky. Love is consistently kind to all. I will say, at times, there is a need to speak up, to say things, to stand against things. There is a time for that as well. And you see Jesus, when he spoke to um, some of the Pharisees and religious church leaders of the day, you'd say, well, it didn't seem like he was being kind, but actually what he was effectively doing was being kind to the other people and saying you, that you need, to re you need to turn away from the way you are behaving. This is what he was saying to the religious leaders. God refuses to be jealous. <laughs> the joke is God's got no one to be jealous of. No one to be jealous of. God does not brag about his own achievements. God was effectively asked to describe himself at one point in the Bible. And God said this in two words, I am 
I am. That's what he said. I am. I am who I am. That's how God described himself. God does not traffic in shame and disrespect. God doesn't dishonour people. And sometimes what we can do is we can moan about other people and sometimes we can moan about other people to God. But I guess if you're going to moan in any direction, that's probably about the best direction rather than moaning to other people or moaning on Facebook, um, a new hobby for many people. But God says, no, don't dishonour others. Dishonour, to strip them of honour. Don't take honour away from them. Instead, place honour on them. Yeah, but you don't understand, God. What they're doing is, is not right. I don't agree with what they're doing. I'm, God says, place honour on them. I'll deal with them. You deal with yourself. You deal with your own heart. I'll deal with them. But I love that God does not traffic in shame and disrespect. God is not self-seeking. In fact, the, probably the single most famous verse in the Bible. Many people will know John Chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So God so loved the world that he gave, and that is the ultimate expression of not seeking your own honour, is actually you're not self-seeking, you're other people seeking. Interestingly, um, it says that Jesus came to seek and to save those people who were lost. The ultimate expression indeed of not self-seeking. So love joyfully celebrates honesty. Like there's a depth of integrity about honesty that gets into the realms of beauty. White lies, oh, this just is <laughs> just a lie. It's just a lie. It's just a lie. You can call them white, you can call them good, you can call them healthy. And that doesn't mean that you have to, we all have to go shooting our mouth off about good grief, what do you look like? But it does mean that we can joyfully celebrate being honest. And there are other ways round saying some things without having to cut people down. Love finds no delight in what is wrong. We've already touched on this one. God doesn't find any delight in hearing or seeing about people doing things that are wrong or self-damaging or anything. God takes no delight, no humour in it, no, no joy in it, no, oh, Gabriel, oi, look at him. Oh, God, look at him. No, instead God covers it. And this is the next one. Love is a safe place of shelter. Now, interestingly, um, one of the words in this, uh, in this part of the Bible actually means, where it says, says a place of shelter, actually means to roof a building. And it's like what, what it's saying here is God is a safe place of shelter. God is a place that says, I'm, I'm going to spread my wings out. It says in one of the Psalms, I'm going to create a place that is safe for you to come. And lastly, love never takes failure as defeat because it never gives up. It never gives up. Love keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. It is relentless. And God's pursuit of us is relentless too. So what about us? Because really this is about God and who he is. But when people say they're yes to Jesus and decide to start living for him, so we begin to be changed. Have you noticed that we become like the people we spend time with. And more than that, what actually happens is 
that we are, this is where we get the expression born again. So this isn't, well, I need to do better. I need to do better at loving. I must try harder. I've got to get some of my twos up to threes and my threes up to fours. That's not, that's not what walking with God is about. He says we'll be born again. We literally are being recreated from the inside out. This isn't behavior modification. This is heart transformation. That doesn't mean we can do what we like and our behavior doesn't matter. No, not at all. But it is saying this isn't I must try harder. I must try harder. I must try harder. This is God saying you lay your life down and in return, you'll get the whole of my life. And it infuses us from the inside. Interestingly, when Christians and people talk about suffering, this is one of the suffering elements that you do. Sometimes you don't want to lay down. Sometimes you don't want to at all. But we have to, we must let the life of God flow through us. So, just to sum up, God is love. All those qualities, all those ones that you scored yourself out of earlier. God is all those qualities all the time. And when we say yes to him, we begin to be transformed into that way of living as we, as we hang out with him, as we pray, as we read his Bible, as we worship him and, and just let our hearts express something. It says out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks Another way of saying it is, it's easy to act like a, let's say a Christian, it's easy to act like a Christian. You try reacting like one. Ultimately, when you squeeze the toothpaste tube, whatever's on the inside is the thing that's going to come out. So what I would love for us to do is, God's love for us is there, it's present, it's real, he's longing to connect, and the only true condition is that we need to simply accept his love. We just need to accept it. We just say, okay, God. Yes, God. I want to know you better. I want to know you more. And some of us, maybe we said yes to God years ago. I mean, I said yes to God for the first time 35 years ago. And I don't know how many times I've said yes to him since. There are times, many times in a day where I say, yes, God. Yeah, your will, not mine in this situation. Just come. Change me from the inside out. I can see this. This is I'm trying to do this my way and it's not working. So what I would love people to do is we're going to come back at the end and we're just going to have a quick response time to be able to respond to what God has been saying to us. And we're going to have a couple of options, but we're not doing them now. One will be... Stand if you want to say yes to Jesus. If you've never said yes to him before, we love to give people that opportunity. And the other one is this. We stand to commit to going hard after love. With no compromise, we go hard after love. We go everything we have after who God is. And we say, God, I want to give you everything of me because you've promised you're going to give me everything of you. And whatever way I look at it, emotionally, rationally, spiritually, whatever way I look at it, it is the only way that makes any sense whatsoever. The God of the universe saying, you can have all of me if you want, but all I need is all of you in return. You're like, God, you are getting a rubbish deal. And he says, not in my heart, I'm not. That's not how I see it. 
So we're going to come back to those responses a little bit later on, but I am going to hand back to Nick. So here's my dear wife. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.